Well, we're in the middle of this sermon series on change by Jesus, looking at different people he touched as he was headed to Jerusalem. And um, we were scheduled today to look at Judas. I've never preached on Judas in 46 years. But about Thursday, I felt strongly the Holy Spirit was saying, this isn't the week to talk about Judas. We need to talk about something else. And as I uh, realized that, that that was probably a great idea, because we um, were all in a different world than we were a Sunday ago when we sat here. And the uh, effect of this pandemic has affected all of us, either directly or indirectly. And we still today don't know the full extent of what lies ahead. It is an uncertain time. And so I thought maybe it would be better if we looked at someone Jesus touched who faced that kind of uncertain time and see how that went and what that looked like. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at actually a family of three people who faced an uncertain time and I think are faced a little bit of what we face. In a sense, the truth is in this story and our reality today reminds us of a, of a truth, a fact, that sometimes we tend to forget. And that is that we can't handle everything life throws at us. We don't have all the answers. We're painfully aware of that right now, but the reality is when things are going pretty well and rolling along, we can forget that. And work's going fine and home's going fine and our economics are going fine and we got this. And then something comes along and shakes us up and makes us realize that sometimes life is out of control and we can't control it. Sometimes that comes when we least expect it. And it makes us realize that we need God's help. That happened for two sisters and a brother. They were adult children. We never hear about their parents, I would assume, in that age of short lifespans. They probably had passed away. But the, the story we want to look at today is in John 11. The story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. And they had hit that point in their life where they didn't have the answers. They didn't know what to do. Lazarus was sick. And not just sick, we all get sick. Lazarus was dying. And with their primitive health care and what they knew to do, nothing was working. And they couldn't save Lazarus. And it made them realize they needed help. They needed God's help. They needed Jesus' help. It struck me how similar that was for how a lot of us feel today. Because of what's going on in our world is the obvious answer that strikes a lot of us. This coronavirus, uh, it's spread. Um, just what's going to happen, we don't know. And we can't control it. But the truth is that's not the only thing that strikes us. We have people looking at surgery this week. It's an unknown. 
The barber's son is at the military base in Afghanistan that was hit twice this week by rocket fire. He's okay, but it brought home to them the reality of what? The uncertainty of life. It may be all kinds of other things that come in our lives. Maybe some of you are facing that right now. Maybe some of you watching this are facing that right now. It brings us up short and makes us realize we can't handle life. And like Mary and Martha, what else do we do? We turn to God. That old saying, in a foxhole there are no atheists. By the time you're in the middle of that war and there's terrible things happening around you, it's like, I need God. I can't handle this. Mary and Martha did that. But there's a warning in this story because the truth is when we go to God, we may get His help and we may be disappointed. And I want us to talk about that, to prepare us for the experiences we may find when we go and ask God for help. In verse 3 of John 11, we read that they sent word to Jesus. He wasn't in the area. He was in their world far away. Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, Lazarus is dying. We need your help. But what happens when God doesn't do what we want us to do, what we want him to do? They asked Jesus to come and heal Lazarus before he died. That didn't happen. Look at verses 5 and 6. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Please let the contradiction of that verse grab you because it's real and it's there. And Mary and Martha felt it. They sent to Jesus for help. They said, God, heal him. And, and John is very careful to point out that Jesus did care. He did love them. And he did nothing for two days. The obvious conclusion, the one we all jump to, is that he didn't care. God isn't listening to my prayers. Because of what we want God to do when we go to him for help, and if he doesn't do that, we jump to a conclusion that he doesn't care. But Jesus does care. And John repeatedly in, in chapter 11 wants us to see that and hear that so we don't reach the wrong conclusion. And that's what I mean when I said sometimes we may be disappointed by God in that he doesn't do what we want him to do. We can pray for God to solve this coronavirus very quickly and immediately. He may do that. He can do that. But what if he doesn't? Could it be a mistake to assume that he doesn't care? Just like it would be a mistake to assume that Jesus didn't care. That's something Satan wants to whisper in our ear. But it's a lie. We know that Jesus cares. Paul points out to us the evidence of the cross is evidence that how do you argue with that Jesus cares? He does care. 
whether he does what we want him to do or not. The next part of this story that I think is important for us to hear at this time is that Jesus can handle our questions, our doubts, even our accusations. So after Jesus waits several days, he finally does go to Bethany to, the, to see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jump down to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now notice that. We're going to read some more. But notice that not only did he not heal Lazarus or get there in time to heal Lazarus, he missed the funeral. Four days had gone by. Now jump to verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. She was too mad at Jesus. She wasn't even going to go talk to him. Martha goes out, but Martha is honest. Listen to what Martha says. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She wasn't afraid to be honest with Jesus. And I think that's a wise approach. If you think about it, you're not fooling God. If you're mad at Him, He knows that. If you're doubting Him, if you feel like you must not care, He already knows that. It's okay to say that to Him. Jesus doesn't get mad at Mary and Martha. Later in verse 32, Mary finally comes out to see Him. She does the same thing. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You see, God understands where we're coming from. He understands that we don't see the big picture. We're not God. He understands that we don't know what he's doing or what he has planned. Or how he wants to do something different. Or how he needs this bad thing so that he can bring about a good thing. He gets it that we don't understand all that. We don't know all of that. So when we question him, when we're angry with him, I think he's okay with that. Jesus was. Jesus does understand. He understands where we're coming from and our disappointment and our doubts and maybe even our anger. But he also understands in the sense that he understands our pain and he cares. I think one of the most beautiful parts of the story is in verses 33 through 35. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Now I want you to stop for a second and think about that. Why did Jesus cry? I do like the fact that Jesus cried. I think that's a, a very important point to note in this story, that grown men cry. <laughs> but now think, this is Jesus crying. Now, I, because he's the Son of God, 
I think he knows what he's going to do. I think he knows Lazarus isn't permanently dead. So why is he crying? But notice what John points out. As he saw them crying, as he saw their grief, as he saw their pain, that's what moved him to cry. I can't prove this from Scripture, but I have a couple theories of what moved Jesus to tears. I believe Jesus was saddened by two things. The the pain that they were having to endure because of what God had planned and that God's plan in the short term was bringing tremendous pain to them. And he was saddened by that. Necessary, but he was saddened by that. I wonder if Jesus wasn't also saddened by the pain this broken world creates that he knew had never been designed for this world to do. It wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't what he had planned. If he was the word that did creation, and then he looked at what this broken world now creates instead of joy, terrible pain. And I think as he looked at them and he looked at what the world had degenerated into, it broke his heart. And he wept. But I want you to see the caring nature of Jesus, the understanding nature of Jesus. Because we need to hold on to that, I believe, when we face times when we're knocked to our knees. And to realize that we have a God who came to earth as Jesus and who understands. And at times the pain that knocks us to our knees moves him to tears. That's the kind of God I think we need. To know that he understands. When we're scared, when we're afraid, he understands our fears. But the good news of this story, of course, is that Jesus can handle what we can't. If this story began at the point where we face things we can't handle, we need to see that Jesus can handle those things. If you finish reading the story down in verse 38, he says, No, I want to see him. Take me to the tomb. So they go out to the cemetery. They go out to the tomb. The tomb is a cave with a rock rolled in front of it to seal it. And he says, open it up. And I love practical Martha. She said, Jesus, you don't want to do that. It's been four days in the heat of the Mideast. Trust me, you don't want to do that. It's going to smell. And he said, no, open it up. And so they opened it up. And then we read in verse 41, Jesus looked up to heaven And he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this out loud for their benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Then he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave cloths and let him go. I can't help but picture those mummy movies. And here comes Lazarus walking. 
Can you imagine that moment? You see, Jesus waited and delayed and disappointed them, not because he didn't care and not because he couldn't handle healing a sick man, but because he wanted to give them a greater miracle. And I have a hunch if we went and talked to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus today, and we asked them, would you rather he would have come right away and healed Lazarus, or would you have rather he did it his way? I think we know what they would have said. We're sort of glad he did it his way, because we will never forget the day he walked out of that grave. And I think Lazarus would say, yeah, it was worth it. Because God wanted to do something greater. And that's the lesson I think we need to hear today. Because it's very easy to look at the short term and say, God, what are you doing? Lazarus is sick. God, what are you doing? Our world is sick. And I don't pretend to stand before you today and tell you what God is going to do. But I do know He is capable of letting some things happen because he wants to do even greater things. And so when our first reaction is to be disappointed with God or to accuse God, please pause that and instead take that extra step of saying, God, what are you doing here? God, are you doing something else? Is there something even greater that you want to accomplish here? Because that's how we find hope. And that's how we find peace. And I don't know what's going to happen in our world. I don't know what's going to happen in certain situations we face individually. But I do know that God cares. And that God loves you. God loves your family. God loves his human race. And he is going to work for good. And he may go about it in a whole different way than I would like or I would anticipate or you would like and you would anticipate. But never never doubt his heart. Things will change, as Kent said in his communion meditation. We're sure of that. We know it. We wouldn't vote for it, but it's going to happen. But what we do hold on to is that God of Psalm 46, who is a mighty fortress, who is on his throne, who does care, and who is working. That's at Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. We can hold on to that. And the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus is a story we need to carry with ourselves. In this week, in this month, things may happen, but don't let that ever convince you that God doesn't care. He's doing something. And we need to look for that. We need to hold on to Him. Many years ago, When some people were facing a very tough time, Peggy and I learned a phrase that we have used ever since. Some of you may already have heard it.
but I want us to learn it today. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Hold on to that. And you will find peace and hope in Him. Let's pray.